0: Welcome back, baseball fans, to episode 15 of Rounding Third of the Baseball Podcast. We finally got some great free agency news to jump into. Let's get into it. Today, I consider, I consider myself, myself the luckiest, luckiest man, man on the face, on of, the the face the of the earth. James, welcome back. You know, it's only been a couple days since our last episode, but lots of news pour, pouring in now that uh, the lockout is resolved. What? How are you feeling so far? You know, players are back reporting, players are signing. Um, baseball news is, is on a rise again, like it should be around this time of the year. How are you feeling?
1: Well, I mean, you've got to be stoked. I mean, just for where we've been. To be able to actually have live news to cover and so much news that we're like, okay, we've got to get this podcast in so that we don't have too much news on the next podcast. Uh, It's a great place to be and no longer is this this question of, Max, what are we going to talk about? What can we do to keep our fans entertained? It's like, no, we've got some news to present. Um, I'm stoked. I mean, it's real. You know, we recorded our episode right after the CBA was all authorized and MLD the lockout officially ended but it still didn't feel real it's very tangible now that uh that baseball's back and we're clearly as you said players are reporting today it is sunday march 13th we have players reporting um super exciting stuff and some exciting free agent news to uh, kick everything off you know none of the huge players i would say have signed yet but to me the most important free agent signing of the offseason happened, so I don't know if you want me to get right into that one.
0: Go into it. There's no way I could introduce this one.
1: Well, as you'll see, Max was really going for some blasphemy on the Twitter, egging on the fans, trying to see what will happen if uh, Kershaw signs with Texas or doesn't sign in L.A., Uh, and I guess I'll use the great Kanye West quote, I guess we'll never know. Kershaw's coming back. One year, $17 million. I'm stoked. To me, this was the most important thing about the free agency. I didn't care what the term was. I just wanted that man in that L.A. jersey. We're getting it at least one more season. Happy to have you home, Kirsch. Spilled that damn statue. Max, what are your thoughts as an outsider on this uh, deal?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good for Dodgers fans. You know, kershaw has been there forever. Um and he's you know la's in his heart at this point and you obviously would want him to retire a dodger and it's only a one-year deal so he'll be back on the free agency market next year but one year 17 million to get your guy kershaw back in that starting rotation that honestly kind of needs some help i mean you have walker bueller who's elite you have dustin may who's coming off an injury but a hard-throwing guy but you know he's coming off tommy john um and and obviously of Julio as well, who can be a top tier pitcher as well, um, and getting Kershaw to not necessarily team, lead, but... <laughs> and but getting Kershaw to to come back and not necessarily be the number one guy, but kind of serve as like that, that two three starter. I think that's a great place for him to be, and obviously he's still got his stuff, um, and I, th- I think it's a it's a big boost to a, a to a rotation that really needed it at this
1: point. I think the other thing that can't be lost is of those arms you listed, right? Walker Buehler is very clearly the ace of the team. Um, I don't think there's any doubt on that. But you have to realize how young yeah. they are, um, you know. So I think getting that veteran leader who who has pitched at the highest level possible in baseball to be able to kind of explain this is what your daily maintenance needs to be, you know, kind of the mental aspects just a great locker room guy. And, of course, I mean, I think Clayton Kirchhoff is synonymous with the Los Angeles Dodgers past the 2000s. So happy to have him back. Um, You know, and we'll see. Hopefully he can stay off the IR for a decent chunk and uh, get some starts in. He's 15 wins off of uh, win number 200. So hoping to see him cross that mark this year if uh, he stays healthy.
0: Yeah, right. And, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest questions is if he can stay healthy. Um, you know, he's getting older in age. He's had some injury problems in the past. Um, The question is, can he be a consistent guy who's in the rotation every week um, and be able to throw at a top level like he's shown in the past? I think that's something we'll have to see. But like I said, I think he'll fit right in to that kind of two, three, maybe three spot in that rotation, obviously behind some of the other elite pitchers that you have. But one guy that I think we can jump into next, and this is somebody that... I think for twofold is is a great signing by San Francisco, one, because he takes him away from you guys, the, the Dodgers, and two, because it kind of fills a much needed gap that the San Francisco Giants needed after losing Kevin Gosman. And that is the signing of Carlos Rodon by the San Francisco Giants on a two year, $44 million deal with a player option after year one. Uh, Rodon obviously was with the White Sox last year. He was uh, two outs away from uh, throwing a perfect game against the, the Indians. He's, he was a fantastic pitcher. Well, last year he was. Um, the two prior years, he struggled, had a lot of injury concerns at Tommy John in 2019. But getting a guy who's coming off a career year with a 2.37 ERA and a whip under one at only $22 million a year, is a great signing for that team. And the Giants, who obviously vastly overperformed last year and won the NL West <laughs> – that's still crazy. They won the NL West in a division with, with L.A., with San Diego, and they were able to to win over 100 games and win that division, now losing their ace, Kevin Gossman, who went to the Blue Jays that we actually covered in, I think, in episode one um, – to, to fill that spot with Rodon, while you still have Logan Webb, you still have Alex Wood, you still have Anthony Descafani, all these pitchers who were vital to, to their run last year, Rodon will fill that gap and allow them to, you know, maybe stay competitive again. They also lost Buster Posey, as we talked about before, but Brandon Crawford's back and Longoria's back. They've got some good young prospects you never know what can happen. So will still have Mike Um, but we'll see. I think this is a great signing. James, how do you feel about your NL West rival signing with the top pitcher
1: on the market? Well, you know, one thing I would just like to add is that they did win the NL West and they won an NL West uh, that has been controlled by the Dodgers for the decade Uh and it wasn't a year where L.A. had the most wins in franchise history. So not for lack of trying. You know, ton of props to San Francisco. As for this trade, I mean, obviously I'm not a fan of the best pitcher going there. But in some ways, I do like it because it really got under my skin last year. All these Padres fans, which don't even exist. I don't believe Padres fans are real things naturally occur. But they all came out of the woodwork saying, oh, my gosh, we got a real rivalry in that <laughs> at West now. And like I just don't, I don't know, I don't have time for that. Like, look, it's it's L.A., it's San Francisco. That is the rivalry. I don't care if the Padres win the next two World Series, do whatever. It San Francisco's the rival, so to have some gas there to keep it interesting is kind of fun to me, right? To me, it's it would not be fun if L.A. beat San Francisco every game. Maybe a blasphemous statement, but like if San Francisco's not in the hunt, the rivalry doesn't matter as much. So. I think so it's let good me get this
0: straight. With, yeah. So wait, let me get this straight. You you're happy that they signed Rodon because it hurts the Padres, not, not not even though it also hurts the Dodgers. But you're better. You're happy that it hurts the Padres, so the Giants uh,
1: Dodgers rivalry can stay at the top of the NL West. Um, maybe not the. I would say I'm more happy because it once again solidifies or make sure that the Giants are at least going to be competitive to keep that rivalry burning. Because like to me, like outside of LA winning the World Series, the next most important thing is LA relative to San Francisco. But like that's not as fun. Like with Gossman gone, if they didn't really bring in an ace, it was just going to be okay, like San Francisco gets absolutely clowned for 160 games and probably wins 80 of them. And, like, whatever. So, I mean, it's kind of a weird way to think of it, Um, but it's nice that that rivalry hopefully should stay pretty good. And, I mean, I only feel this way because I feel very good about LA's chances in the season um, against San Francisco. So I don't think that this pushed the needle too far, maybe just enough for them to stay competitive, whereas I thought maybe San Francisco was going to fall again after Gosman and not be competitive, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I see. It's just I struggle to find how this team. I mean, obviously they overperformed vastly last year, but I just still struggle to see how this team will win the NOS again. And I, I, I know they probably won't, but I obviously Rodon had is coming off a career year. Um, And can replace Gossman, but it'll be tough for his numbers to stay where they are. Obviously, they'll probably go up because he'll be facing teams like the Padres, like the Dodgers, and then going to ballparks like Arizona and Colorado, which are very hitter friendly. Um, So he's bound to give up some runs that way. So his numbers will artificially increase, simply because the NL West is built like that and much stronger than the AL Central where he was previously. But I just don't know if this team has what, it's, what, was it, what it takes to repeat the level of success they had last year. They're losing a Hall of Fame catcher who was coming off, you know, arguably one of his best years. They had huge performances for some of these pitchers like Logan Webb and Alex Wood, who in the past haven't been as great. But you never know. Logan Webb is, could take another step forward and really compete for that NL Cy Young like he did last year. Or he could falter off. We'll have to see, and I I'm rooting for Rodon. You know he's coming off injuries and Tommy John, and then have to have such an incredible year last year um, with his fastball pushing one hundred and a great secondary pitch. I hope that they I hope that he produces. It'll be a fun um, fun team to watch for sure. Um, moving on to um, another pitcher, James. Just, I'll, let, I'll let you go ahead and kick this one off.
1: Well, let me just give my last Rodon prediction, which is Will Smith hits an hits an absolute moon bomb talking at least 450 plus homer off of him this season so can't wait for that uh, I will be pulling up the receipt of the sound bite when it happens Will Smith do the deed uh, with that being said <laughs> I think to me those were the two biggest signings so that's what we're going to cover for now we're obviously on the lookout if a Chris Bryan or a Carlos Correa um, if there's any more action there of course Freddie Freeman uh, giving me a little bit of SoCal vibes recently so we'll stay in the loop on that, but outside of the free agent signings right now, um, a couple of trades to unpack. And you know, the trade to me that's been most interesting so far that we've seen is a uh, Chris Bassett was traded from Oakland to the New York Mets uh, in exchange for right-handed pitching prospects Adam Oler and JT Ginn. Um, going back to Oakland, to me, this is this Mets rotation is starting to get very, very scary. Um, Thinking of it healthy, I don't know if you want to unpack kind of what this trade means, Max, uh, but it's scary.
0: Yeah, you know this is this is a pretty scary trade. You know, obviously we've talked about the Mets a bunch because of their owner Steve Cohen, just his lack of awareness of money, and he just tosses it around like nobody. Now they have Degrom, now they have Scherzer, and to add somebody like Chris Bassett as a pretty much a third option makes them really scary and so for people who aren't as aware of who Chris Bassett is um, he was on the Oakland A's last year and on August 17th after after having an incredible start to the season where he was um, an an AL Cy Young candidate um, he took an 100 mile an hour liner straight to the face um, against the White Sox and he had to undergo surgery for three fractures on his right cheekbone but he wound up 12 and 4, 315 ERA last year. Um, and I think over the last two years, uh, he had a 3.0, oh, or what is it, 2.9 ERA over the past two seasons. Um, but somebody who was an AL Cy Young candidate for the A's um, and, and really being on the top of his game and then getting injured and still being able to have a good season and having a good two seasons and putting this guy behind. DeGrom and Scherzer, I mean, it's not like he's coming in to be the ace, which maybe he could be on another team. Like putting him as the third option on that
1: team is pretty scary. I think if that starting rotation, and it's a huge if, given the, you know DeGrom's injury issues in the past and Scherzer's age, if that rotation stays healthy and you get a full 162 games and maybe you get Lindor... You know, a little bit healthy or a little comfortable, he starts to hit like uh, Cleveland, Lindor. You get Pete Alonso going. I mean, that team. You could be talking about a deep run. I mean, it's no joke. And the NL East needs to be put on notice because this rotation, your one, two, three. I mean, every pitcher they have is a Cy Young candidate slash an All Star at their one, two, and three position. I mean, it's just disgusting, you know, as you say, over two seasons you got a two-nine ERA. That's your third best pitcher, two nine ERA. It's better than most aces on majority of ball clubs. So you know, and I, I'm not familiar with the prospects that went back to Oakland. To me, what this also signifies is I'd say the last better part of the last five, six years, Oakland has always been there. They've been around never enough to really move the needle, but you had to respect that ball club coming in. I think this is kind of signifying the fire sale and that, you know, Oakland's ready to rebuild and they're done just being kind of um, almost in on the outside, if that makes sense. You know, they're good enough to be dangerous, but not good enough to really like win anything. So I think this is a little bit of a rebuild there. So I don't know if you, if you share that thought with me, Max, that Oakland is a, the whole ship's got to get flipped, or or what you feel there.
0: Yeah, I, I do think so. I think Oakland is is really going into rebound, rebound, um, rebuild mode. You know, there've been there's been lots of talks about trades for Olson, um, and really moving off some of those players that have helped them be in contention in the past couple of years. Um, and obviously, they won the the their division in the the code year. But they they lost last year to the the Astros. Ended up winning the division, um, and so we'll see. Um, but they really look like they're kind of selling off a lot of players, kind of moving on from that foundation that helped them be a little bit successful in the past couple of years. But like you said, you know, never enough to go over the top, and that's kind of why they're in this spot where it's time to time to move on, time to start over. The players that they have aren't at the level they want them to be to compete for a world series and so they're moving off i mean chris bassett um you know this is a, a big trade for the mets like we've talked about but we have to remember the mets are, are in the nl east with the defending champion braves the phillies with the reigning NL, nl MVP and bryce harper and lots of rumors to get some other players like chris bryan or castellanos um you have the Marlins, who are, will probably finish at the bottom of that division, but have shown a lot of promise. Um, and then the Nationals, who probably won't compete too much; <laughs> they'll probably be at the bottom of the division. But th- with the Mets, Phillies, and Braves, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tight race in the NL East. So we'll have to see how it all shakes up. But I do agree with you. I don't think. Um, the, the A's are really going to be fighting for playoff spots in the in the years
1: moving forward. I mean, and I think to wrap this up, man, if you're a Mets fan, you have to be just juiced with what Steve Cohen's done. I mean, you look over a two-year stretch, and it's bringing in Francisco Lindor, you know, a top shortstop in the game, top young shortstop. You're bringing in Max Scherzer, one of the best arms in the game, to go behind the best pitcher in baseball the consensus best pitcher now you're trading the second the season opens back up another ace level pitcher to be your third option i mean this guy is very clearly putting his balls on the table and saying there is very clearly one team that runs new york and it's not in the bronx and i kind of like the uh, i like that a little bit
0: yeah they'll definitely be a team that's on a lot of these primetime games getting a lot of action they're they're trying to win now Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, uh, that, that division shakes up. Um, but, you know, moving on to kind of the last trade we're going to talk about the last player we're going to talk about in this episode. Um, this is a trade that happened just a couple of hours ago and affects, you know, my division, the NL central, it is Sonny gray. The, the pitcher for the Cincinnati reds was traded to the Minnesota twins in, um, for a 2021 first round pick. Or their 2021 first round pick Chase Petty, who is a right hand pitcher out of high school, um, and you know this is an interesting trade. Sonny Gray, I've always felt like he was—I don't know—he kind of goes back and forth bringing underrated and overrated. He spent a long time in New York before coming to Cincinnati, and then he faced a bunch of injury injury issues. Um, so he's not—I I never really felt like we've seen his his full potential. And now that he's been in the league for for nine years, his last three with Cincinnati. Um, he's had a couple of good seasons. In 2019, he was an all-star with an ERA at 2.87. And then he was an all-star again back in 2015 when he was in Oakland, um, where he spent the first five seasons of his career. But he's had a bunch of injury issues. He's had an ERA since then that hovers between you know 3.75 and 4 he's a hard throwing guy um it's it's interesting for the twins that they're going after sonny gray the twins have been a team that have you know for the past however many years have been on the top of the al central but had a horrible year last year where they really fell off and finished at the bottom of the division i don't know how much sonny gray is really going to help them I mean, they don't have the best weapons to, to surround him with. And I don't know if he's
1: capable of being that number one guy. What do you think? Well, I think what's interesting here is I kind of look at Minnesota's rotation. All right. What's their next, next best option? Maybe Kenta Maeda off an elbow injury. But he's not even supposed to pitch most of this year. I mean, I think he's lucky to get back by August. And Sonny Gray you know, the Sonny Gray we saw in Oakland, I think that probably was his peak, you know, where he's maybe that fringe two one guy, pretty solid. But I I agree with you. I don't think Sonny Gray is, you know, he's not the, the shutdown, the hold you under two ace, who's going to go six, seven innings every night in, night out. He's just not that guy. I mean, so it, the thing that i question the most about the trade to me it signifies two different things um one for the reds and one for the the twins but you have to look at to me what i'm perplexed by is who trades their first round draft pick after eight months especially if they're a pitcher who takes all kinds of time instead of time to develop and you took a high schooler he's 18 he hasn't had real professional pitching coaches I mean, you must have seen something there to use your first-round pick on it. So I don't understand why after eight months you're like, all right, this has to go. And you're not getting rid of this pick to bring in Jake DeGrom or, you know, some ridiculous and Ian Anderson or, like, someone. It's Sonny Gray who doesn't really move the needle. I mean, he's not bad. He's, you know, if you're lined up against Sonny Gray, okay, that's one of the better pitchers in the league, sure. But, like, I don't think there's any MLB hitters going – oh, my God, Sonny Gray's pitching. Like, this is going to be a terrible day, whereas, like, I'm sure plenty wake up going, well, I'm facing DeGrom, Groms. So this is going to be an 0 for 4, like, worst day of my career. So I don't know. I, I think if I'm the Twins, I would almost say, man, let's hold on to this pick and see if he becomes anything more so than let's trade for Cincinnati's decent second option. Yeah. I don't know there. I don't yeah, know if and I like if you would, if.
0: If you look at the Twins rotation now, you have Sonny Gray, Dylan Bundy, Joe Ryan, Bailey Ober, Randy Dobnack, and Lewis Thorpe, Griffin Jacks, all these, like, names that aren't common household names. And they're looking to sign other players as well. So I guess Sonny Gray is going to be the number one option on this team, which I don't know. I don't think they're going to be really fighting for the AL Central um, title again, again anymore um, or next year, especially since all these rumors about Nelson Cruz very likely, almost certainly going somewhere else. We'll have to see what happens with that team. Um, I, I expect the, them uh, to... Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say the, the Nelson Cruz update last uh, tweets I saw about said it's between Padres and uh, Dodgers. So looks like he's heading to the NL West regardless. Yeah, but I... It's, see i don't know i agree with
0: you it's an interesting concept that the twins would move off their first round draft pick that quick maybe they just think Sonny gray is going to be electric or this other minor leaguer has a lot of promise but from a cincinnati perspective it is interesting that you know maybe they really like this prospect maybe he's you know um gonna be their their future ace but he's like you said he's 18 there's gonna be a couple of years before he even sees sees um the big leagues but they really, I think the Reds are in a tough position right now. Now losing Sonny Gray, Nick Castellanos certainly on the move, either to Yankees, Phillies, Marlins, one of those teams that are after him. Um, they might they might be in a tough position next year. They were able to be you know excel a little bit this year with Jesse Winker and Castellanos both hitting well over three hundreds for a significant amount of the year, and Jonathan India really being a shining rookie on that team. But we'll see how this team pans out and where they fall into the NL Central. But it's looking more and more like the NL Central is going to consist of the Brewers, Cardinals, and everybody else. The Pirates aren't really a contender. The Cubs, you know, maybe. They have Marcus Stroman. Um, there's been some rumors about Correa. But they're a team that obviously just kind of sold everybody last year by as Brian and Rizzo. Um, and so we'll have to see what happens in the the NL central and with Cincinnati and Minnesota moving forward. But I think that kind of covers yeah. the trades, James. Do you have anything else to talk about on Sunny Gray?
1: Yeah. I just think for, it's really indicative for Cincinnati. And, you know, I would say I like the deal maybe a little more from Cincinnati's perspective, because if anything, you get to sit on this 18 year old first round pick, got him at a relatively low rate and who knows chase petty, maybe the next Jake DeGrom, you know, I wouldn't sit there, you know, with my fingers crossed, but You never know. I think the sad thing is, to me, Cincinnati was one of the more fun teams in baseball to watch last year. I mean, if I was just tossing on to random non-Dodgers games, just fun to watch them absolutely smack the baseball around. And, you know, with um, Luis Castillo and then Sonny Gray, they had a little bit of a rotation going, enough to be flirting with dangerous. So I think this and and the reports that came out, which were that Cincinnati didn't even talk to Nick Castellanos' camp um, just – in it like no offer no attempt at like signing this very good hitter who the city loved and which was shocking to me if i'm cincinnati i would damn near sign him to a blank check because you know just have some action there but i think this is very indicative that since he's entering full rebuild get rid of everything once again we'll see if they can try and move joey Votto's crazy big contract i don't think they'll be able to i'm not sure that they would since he's really the last redeeming piece there for those fans but it's kind of sad. It, it looks like one of the more fun teams in baseball is going to get deconstructed here um, pretty soon. And maybe I guess they try to build around this Chase Petty kid and Jonathan India and uh, embrace some of the younger younger guys and, and see what they're doing. But I think for the NL Central now, like you said, you have the right read on it. This is simply a battle of St. Louis versus Milwaukee.
0: Yeah, and it, it'll definitely be an interesting division to see. You know, maybe we'll get some more surprises. Um, but, but I, I don't really expect it. Um, but last thing, you know, we wanted to touch on in this episode, and this will be pretty quick. There are two new kind of interesting things about how to watch baseball this season. Um, so obviously we'll have Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN with that alternate broadcast with A-Rod, which we'll cover each week and talk about how Sunday Night Baseball played out, because I think it's one of the better things in baseball, one of the better productions, great to you know watch baseball on Sunday night. ESPN didn't renew their Monday Night Baseball and Wednesday Night Baseball shows, and NBC picked those up, and they'll likely be streamed on their Peacock streaming services. So Monday Night and Wednesday Night Baseball, look for those on NBC and their streaming services. But the big deal that was announced at Apple's press conference, or you know, big reveal the other day, was they will now be having a doubleheader every Friday night, of baseball games, um, as they described it, marquee matchups within the league, doubleheader each Friday, which I think that's awesome. And they will also have a nightly show, kind of live look-ins to games, recaps of the day. I think this is really awesome. You know, MLB and Apple have been pretty close since um, since the iPhone was released. Apple had some of the first, or MLB had some of the first apps on the iPhone. I think this will be really cool. I'm looking forward to these Friday night
1: doubleheaders for sure, James. Um, how, do, how do you feel about this move? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great move to me. I think any different avenues or non-standard avenues we can get baseball brought, a, brought across or broadcast across is the better. Um, you know, I think trying to get more games out there on different networks, so some NBC here, some Apple TV here, and just trying to grow the viewership, which really needs to be baseball's main focus, is marketing and started to trend the numbers positive and i think once again by trying to maybe scale to that younger demographic and realize uh you know cable and tv deals aren't really moving the needle but it's the streaming package that is mattering more now i think it's great to buy into that market um i'll be excited to do the uh see what the double headers are like i know we're uh we're gonna get the package here from rounding third and uh to watch some of those double headers and, and just see I think it's it's good for baseball anyway that you can try and reach new markets or untapped potential that's that's good stuff
0: yes sir well that I think that wraps it up I mean James you got anything else to add it was a nice short episode looks like we're looking at about half an hour that's a good time um it was fun I will you know say. this is just this is just go ahead
1: I've got one little piece of news that I think with all the pitchers and the NOS pitching that we maybe didn't talk about, but that is that now that baseball has – the lockout is over, Major League Baseball has placed Trevor Bauer back on his administrative leave, um, which is worth noting because this is now after his criminal – Charges were dropped by LA County. So just something a little bit of note there because if for some reason that would be probably the biggest free agent news is if Trevor Brower was back on the Dodgers pitching. That would be ridiculous. But that's my one little news blurb there.
0: All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I'm sure we'll be back soon. There's going to be news rolling in every day. We'll try to stay on top of it and and get episodes out as soon as possible, covering the latest from the MLB free agency period, spring training starting up, and ultimately the long-awaited opening day.
1: Let's go. Baseball's back, baseball fans. Thanks for listening.